Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined, as always, by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns247, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, isn't it your birthday tomorrow? It is my birthday tomorrow. Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that. I literally just got a calendar notification on my computer that says, happy birthday tomorrow. I'm like, why does that know that? (laughs) But yeah. Yes, well, it is. happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to be 25. Just that's, isn't that the best? <laughs> I remember 25. That was, that was a fine time. Yeah, I haven't aged since I turned 25, and that was quite a few years ago. So ever since I've had that birthday, I'm like, I'm good. Let's just well, keep it like this. You <laughs> just keep being 25. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I always I think of myself as 25. Yeah. Age is just a – it's. Just the, in your head, right? <laughs> state of mind. Yeah, state of mind. That's right. <laughs> state of mind. And we're in a football state of mind because spring football is underway at the University of Texas. They're late. Um, they're going to have three practices a week for five weeks. Spring game, April 23rd. Uh, Texas basketball. The men have finished their season. The women are rolling on to the Sweet 16. And Eddie Reese goes for national championship number 16 this week with the number one Texas men's swimming and diving teams. Eddie Reese, Taylor, is a college athletics treasure. Yeah, he's a legend. I mean, who who has as much success as him? I, I mean, I can't think of any coach off the top of my head that would even compare to that. Yeah, I mean, he is, I mean, Chris Del Conte calls him Yoda. <laughs> and he retired because he's 80. And he's like, it's time for me to go spend time with my dogs. So then he's going to stay on as an emeritus coach. And Del Conte talks to him about, okay, so in this emeritus role, what do you want to do? Well, I can be at the pool every every day of the week. I just, you know, don't want to go to meets anymore. And Del Conte is like, well, hell, just stay on as coach. Yeah. We'll, we'll let the assistants go handle the dual meets. So Eddie Reese is back for uh, an attempt. It's not going to be easy. NC State is a close number two. Texas doesn't really have any favorites in any events, but they're deep in seemingly every event. And their relays are really good. So we'll see if. Eddie Reese can bring home number 16, national championship number 16. It's uh, phenomenal what the, what the guy has done. Yeah. No, All right. Got it. Taylor, let's get into spring football. I, yeah. I mean, football never ends here on the flagship podcast, Chip. And you and I were able to go to practice yesterday and, um, you know, overanalyze the 20 minutes of practice that we got to watch. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's that time of year again. There's a lot going on, and you released Insider Wednesday morning a day early, and we talked a lot about um, in the Insider, you know, some guys that need to step up, and I think that's where we need to start when we talk about football right now. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about, and, and we'll talk about the quarterbacks until we're blue in the face, but, um, you know, when talking to team sources, they really are hoping Hudson Card takes that next step because he's got the most experience in this offense. He knows the personnel. He knows he, he's got the familiar familiarity 
and experience, and he can sling it. I mean, we know he's a talented thrower of the football. We've talked about the fact that he's got to improve his pocket presence, uh, trust his offensive line more, keep his eyes downfield, uh, keep plays alive uh, by keeping his eyes downfield. And if he can do that, at best, he will be leading this team's offense in the fall. At at worst, he's pushing Quinn Ewers to have to be, you know, to get better every day. You got you got to have competition at positions because you just don't want anyone getting complacent. You don't want anyone thinking it's my job. I have nothing to worry about. That doesn't breed improvement in the competitive edge that Steve Sarkeesian's looking for. Yeah. For sure. No doubt about it. I mean, think back to when, you know, that 05 Texas National Championship team. Think about a lot of the guys that were, you know, not starters on that team. I mean, there was competition, it seemed like, every single day in practice. And I think a lot of the starters knew that because there was so much talent on that roster. They knew that they could have easily been replaced. And so, you know, I know I think, I think Chip, a lot of Texas fans are um, assuming Quinn Ewers is it's his job to lose right now that I don't know that may be true it may not be true who knows I don't think that even the coaches really know that right now however it's not necessarily a bad thing if this quarterback battle becomes more of a battle I mean it's only going to make both of the guys better and you know you want competition um, as you mentioned across the board but especially at Texas with how kind of you know Texas got really I think um, what's the word they, they got used to having a, a set starter in Sam Ellinger. However, you go back prior to Sam Ellinger, it was always up and down with the quarterback position at Texas. And, you know, I think that you want the competition to be fierce. You want it to be strong. And I think with the talent that they have currently in Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers, you know, those are both two talented quarterbacks. Hudson Card is no scrub, obviously. You know, you've, you've seen what he's been able to do. He's a great arm, obviously. Um, I know he he had some ups and downs in his first year last year, but still, I mean, he has a lot of talent and a lot of upside. So as, as long as this goes on, this battle, I think that's a good thing. Do you agree? I mean, yeah. do you think that's negative? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, um, Look, no one wants to think about the fact, uh, well, they need both of these guys to play at a high, high level. And Hudson Card has the pedigree. He, he's he got the, the talent. Now he's just got to put it together, um, you know, from a confidence standpoint, from a body language standpoint. One of the things that um, coaches were concerned about was how Hudson Card carries himself on the sideline, how he interacts with his teammates. If things aren't going well, he tends to slouch a little bit. And, and so, you know, those are the things that the coaches pointed out to him and, and we'll see how that progresses. This is, we got a long way to go. And there's, there's other positions that um, have even less experience uh, in this offense and in college football than Hudson card, including, uh, the tight end position. And that's another position that has to, has to step up because you're talking about Jatavian Sanders and Gunnar Helm as the blocking tight ends. Neither one of them has ever started a game. They're highly recruited. They're talented. They got, they put on the good weight. They're both, you know, 250. and Jatavian Sanders looks like he can put on more good weight. He's got that kind of frame, but those guys unproven, and we know how important the tight end is 
to this offense, not just from a blocking standpoint in the running game, but from a motion standpoint. They are often the guys who are put in motion uh, to help the quarterback determine if the defense is in man or zone. So, you know, the coaches are looking for guys they can trust. And these are young guys, Taylor. Yeah, they are. And when you do talk about the tight end position, I think you also have to mention Jaleel Billingsley. He was a guy actually that Steve Sarkeesian after the first practice on Tuesday um, pointed out as a guy who he thought looked good. And that's not really surprising because, you know, he does have the experience in this offense, um, you know, from when he was at Alabama. You know, he he learned under Jeff Banks already, the tight ends coach and special teams coordinator at Texas, because he was in that same role at Alabama. He knows Steve Sarkeesian's offense, but you're right. I mean, the blocking tight end has to step up because um, Jaleel Billingsley is more, I mean, if you look at his measurables, he's more of a receiver type of player, like not really. I mean, yeah, he's 6'4", 214. Yeah. I mean, he's almost, he kind of is like almost like a little Jordan Humphrey-esque type of player, I think. And that, that's not a bad thing. Obviously, look at what little Jordan Humphrey was able to do. Um, you know, during his time at Texas when he did see the field. And I kind of, I wonder if that's going to be kind of the role that Jaleel Billingsley is going to kind of fill more so. But when it comes to the blocking tight ends, I mean, losing, you know, Cade Brewer, I, I don't know if he ever really got too much of enough credit that he really deserved because I think he was the most consistent blocking tight end. I mean, Jared Wiley always looked the part, but he just kind of seemed to, not really like the contact. I don't know. Maybe maybe I was just my judgment of it or from my angle. No, you're right. And that's the question about Jatavian Sanders. Yeah. You know, he's a big receiver in high school. Can he learn to love to block? Well, you look, it's hard. It's hard. You're taking on big defensive ends. You're you're being asked to, you know, handle a lot, but you gotta you gotta love contact. Yeah. Well, you would think it would be kind of natural for him because he's played on defense too. Right. I mean, yeah, he was a, he was a defense alignment, right. In high school as well. And I mean, he's playing tight end, obviously at Texas, but you would think that that would be more natural for him and it hasn't come along. I mean, he, you know, he was, he was not an early enrollee last year, so he didn't go through, you know, spring ball or anything like that. He enrolled in uh fall or for, and excuse me, uh, for the fall camp, you know, he was on campus for that, but you know, I, I, I think that he really is one that needs to take that next step because you would expect him to be, able to and um you know willing to be a blocking tight end since he has also played you know defensive line yeah and he's uh it's his time he's number zero now as you mentioned last week on the flagship podcast he gave up his number three so quinn ewers could have it uh hopefully he got a little you know reimbursement <laughs> for that in this day of nil Maybe right, quick years, kind of check or something. Well, Venmo, maybe. <laughs> Is that even cool? In the house? All right, we're going through the players and positions that have to take the next step, take their game up a level for Texas to, to recover from this five and seven seasons they had in 2021. We've talked quarterback, tight end, all the offensive line returners, Taylor. And you've got Andre Carrick now at left tackle. And Christian Jones, who played left tackle all last season at right tackle, which tells you that they, A, want Andre Carrick to show what he showed really when he played as a freshman in 2020 and started to earn this reputation among teammates as a nasty 
offensive lineman. There was high hopes. And then last year it seemed like kind of leveled off and they need him to take the next step because Kelvin Banks and Devin Campbell are coming in June. And, and look, offensive line is, it's got orange construction cones around it until those six freshmen get here in June. Right now you've got Cole Hudson, who by the way is already running second team right guard. Now, I don't know how much of that is a salute to Cole Hudson or a salute to the fact that Texas has like 11 warm bodies on the offensive line right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. they they all need to to take a step up. They definitely do. And and not even just until these guys come in. I mean, Chip, this is not necessarily, you know, it I don't think it's in any coach's or team's best in, interest if you're having to rely on several true freshmen, especially ones that don't go through spring to, you know, like have quality playing time in their first season. And that's kind of what Texas is in. So these guys need to realize that not only is it time now to really make the name for themselves, they've got to do this to help the team because, you know, obviously Texas had a massive offensive line haul in the 2022 signing class, added some really elite players that have very high ceilings, but they're all true freshmen. They're not transfers. They're, they've never played a snap. They've never even been in a college football practice even. Um, and so I think that, you know, now is the time if these guys really want to make a, a claim for, you know, to be a starting role on the offensive line, which they need to do now. They have to do it now because, I mean, who if you're if you've been on campus for more than a year and you really want to be the guy that a true freshman who didn't, you know, even go through spring ball uh, takes to your position. I mean, how, have some pride, I think, you know, and I think that's what you need to see from these offensive linemen, too. They, they got to play with some pride and they didn't play with that last year. And, uh, you know, that position, I, I feel for Kyle Flood, honestly, I felt for him last year. I mean, that offensive line, you know, I, I go back to the last year's spring game and we're like, ooh, you know, like, is the defensive line that good or is the offensive line that bad? And I think it was the offensive line was that bad. And, um, you know, he has his work cut out for him, no doubt about it. But, you know, I think that these guys really need to, that, that's the, in my opinion, Chip, that's the position they you've got to circle right now and be like, it's now or never for a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean that that position uh has got to get better. And on the defensive side, the defensive line we thought was going to be a strength of the team. It really wasn't last year. I mean, it was at times, but it wasn't consistently didn't get the pass rush that that we thought uh might be possible and um if you have not listened to our interview with Josh Thompson from earlier in the week, do yourself a favor and listen to that and listen closely because Josh Thompson talks. I mean, we ask him about who, what players need to take their game up to really see that defense improve. Who's the player who should be rushing the passer who maybe wasn't last year. And Alfred Collins name uh, came right, uh, you know, to top of mind for Josh Thompson. And, and he brought up a really good point, Taylor, in that, Alfred Collins was just starting to figure things out under the Tom Herman regime, had that great Alamo bowl, the interception, the two third down stops in the first quarter. And then boom, new coaching staff, new system. He's got to prove himself all over again. And, and as Josh Thompson said, he looked like, look, I went through that 
as much as anybody. I committed to Charlie Strong, played for you know two different defensive coordinators under Tom Herman, then another defensive coordinator uh, in Pete Kwiatkowski. It can be frustrating. In fact, Josh Thompson said it's mentally exhausting. It was part of the reason he didn't come back uh, because you know he felt like uh, we didn't have the kind of year we thought maybe we were going to have. Feels like it's starting over. It's my time to move on. But he said Alfred Collins is a young guy having to go through all that transition. You got to trust the process with these new coaches. You got to just give yourselves to them, do exactly what they're asking, and then it'll all click. So that's the hope for Alfred Collins and for Tavondre Sweat. He's another guy that was mentioned as a guy who could be a difference maker if he can take his game to the next level will significantly improve the defense, especially up front. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, Steve Sarkeesian did mention Alfred Collins. He was asked specifically about what Alfred Collins needs to do. And the thing that he said is it's all about consistency with him. And it's like, you, you know, he's the type of guy that can make the big play, but he needs to be able to make the big play and still play consistently afterwards and not just have a huge fallout after having a big play. And, you know, I think that if if you did not listen to our Monday episode of the flagship podcast with Josh Thompson, definitely go back and listen to it because he he got real with us and he it was a great interview. He was very open, very candid in what he was saying. And and I think fans need to hear this too, because he's a guy, as you mentioned, Chip, you know, he he was at Texas for five years and had three different defensive coordinators. And Lord knows how many position coaches he had. I mean, he started off at at corner with Jason Washington. Then he moved to safety, was learning under Craig Niver. Um, then he moved back to corner. Then he had, um, who was the cornerbacks coach under? Uh, Jay Valai. Jay Valai, yeah. And then, you know, had Terry Joseph. And, and he did speak very highly of Terry Joseph, too, which I thought that was uh, important to hear. And he spoke highly about Pete Kwiatkowski, too. But this is where fans that say, oh, we need all these coaching changes just because a unit's doing poorly it actually sets the program back even further. And Josh Thompson is a very great example of, you know, I mean, his his best football, as you've mentioned before, and you told him this, and, and he he agreed with it, is ahead of him. And I think it's, you know, the more stability that he gets is going to just make it so much better. I mean, you know, he's been through a lot of the adversity and it, it's taught him a lot and he acknowledged that and recognized it. But you can't just always just go to, okay, this isn't working. Let's fire this coach and get someone new because it doesn't help the whole, the overall group. And, you know, I think with Alfred Collins, he's got to, he's really got to just, you know, buy in to, to Bo Davis. Bo Davis has a great track record of developing defense alignment and all of the defense alignment, honestly, need to buy into that because he knows what he's doing. I mean, this is the second time he's been on the staff at Texas. He's coached how many, you know, SEC defense alignment that you look at those guys, they're all over the NFL right now. And so, you know, you just got to, they've got to, you know, really buy into these coaches, but they also need the consistency, not just from the players, but from a coaching staff too, Chip. I think that's something that's huge. And I think Texas fans need to acknowledge that the answer isn't always just to fire people. Right. Right. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian said he needs to be an every time player, not a sometime player. Yeah. Um, and so um, Josh Thompson said that he's been telling Tavondre Sweat as well, you're, you're the guy, you know, you're the guy. So just keep the faith, keep trust in the process and, and let it, 
let it loose. Another guy that everyone's looking to to take his game to the next level. And to me, he kind of did last year. Uh, Jalen Ford, the middle linebacker. I mean, he was the third leading tackler on the team and he wasn't even a starter. So that tells you the guy is making plays when he's on the field. And with Luke Brockermeyer out recovering from the ACL knee injury, this is Jalen Ford's time. Everyone talks about what a what a great you know ball player he is, how much he loves football. Okay, well, it's your time. And he and DeMarvin Overshawn at uh at linebacker should be a strength for this football team. So everyone's hoping that Jalen Ford, you know, becomes that guy that um he just takes over from here on out. And then Taylor, the the safety opposite are lining up next to Anthony Cook. That's the other position that has a lot of people, you know, wondering uh, questions because you've got you've got Anthony Cook, who also has to prove that he can make the transition from nickel to safety. But then you've got Mo Blackwell, who moved from linebacker. You've got Keaton Crawford, who moved from corner. You've got J.D. Coffey, who, uh, you know, didn't play much except on special teams last year and Jaron Thompson. Now, Jaron Thompson, I make sure you listen to Josh Thompson's answer on Jaron Thompson. I thought it, I thought it was uh, interesting, um, but he's also Jaron Thompson is also working at nickel with Jade Barron. So, you know, it's that other safety position is a, is a mystery right now. Like that is going to be decided during the spring and that, um, and you got BJ Allen in there too, the freshman, highly touted freshman safety. So that is that's going to be a fun position battle to watch during the spring because I think we're going to get some answers. Yeah, for sure. And I think Keaton Crawford, you know, that was a somebody that <clears throat> Steve Sarkeesian talked about following the first spring practice, and he said that you know the reason why they were so comfortable with moving Keaton Crawford from corner to safety is because of guys like Ryan Watts and Terrence Brooks. He even talked about uh, Jalen Gilbo a little bit too, as a guy that has looked good. And that kind of got, falls in line a lot with what Josh Thompson was saying about the cornerbacks. You know, he, um, I think he really likes what he's seeing in Terrence Brooks early, especially in Jalen Gilbo. He talked about them. And then with Ryan Watts, you know, joining and having that experience, that's a, Steve Sarkeesian said that really has helped the transition and the the comfortability of the staff to allow Keaton Crawford to move to safety because, you know, Keaton Crawford's really, he, he brings a, a dynamic speed to the position too. And, you know, obviously safety is not necessarily the type of position that you expect the fastest guys on the defense to be at, but it doesn't hurt to have a lot of speed at safety too, um, you know, especially down the field. So um, that's definitely going to be interesting to watch. I'm really curious to see, not only, as you mentioned, you know, Anthony Cook kind of making that transition, he'd made such a smooth transition, I feel, from corner to nickel last year, that it would be a little surprising to me, Chip, if that didn't go smoothly moving from nickel to safety. We don't really know yet, but somebody else needs to step up. And, um, you know, I, I'm really interested to see how Keaton Crawford kind of pushes Jaron Thompson. And if Jaron if Jaren Thompson, if it can click for him, I think obviously he's shown he's shown um, positive, you know, play at times. He, and then he showed some poor play at times, but if it clicks, I really think that he could be really good. Um, and I think Keaton Crawford could really push that. And it's going to be really interesting to watch that play out. Yeah. So spring football underway. 
Troy O'Meary not going to be cleared for spring football. The 6'3", 220-pound receiver who's, um, you know, sort of an enigma because his best plays were in fall camp a couple of years ago before he tore up his knee. Then he uh, re-injures the knee last year before the season and uh, endured another surgery. So uh, Isaiah Nayor is a guy who Steve Sarkeesian mentioned. We've mentioned him a ton here on the flagship podcast. He's already on my list of impact newcomers along with uh, Ryan Watts and Terrence Brooks. And those are guys I'm right now willing to say they are going to have an impact on this football team. Um, probably a significant impact in 2022. I can't wait to see Isaiah Nayor in action because I think he's a guy um, who wants to be great. He had 12 touchdown catches just like Xavier Worthy last year in a 60% run offense at Wyoming and wanted to be a part of an offense where he could help more. And, and Texas got in at just the right time and reeling him in away from Tennessee because he, you know, he was kind of loyal to, to Tennessee. They, they showed the most interest first, but, um, Jeff Banks, Steve Sarkeesian got in there and, and helped, uh, change his mind. So I think that's going to be a big addition. Um, and, and Taylor, obviously, you know, the, the big story for Steve Sarkeesian this spring too, is just changing the attitude. I thought it was interesting when he was asked about player buy-in. He said, I told you guys this last year. I think it's good, but you have to ask the players because clearly, and I wrote about this some in the insider this week, you know, Chris Beard had to fight with his players to buy in. Um, Vic Schaefer last year had six players, a six player rotation, only two of whom he had anything to do with in terms of recruiting and had to get those players to buy in. And they did. And they went to an elite eight sort of against all odds, but it's, it, it's a process. It is not something that just is a snap of a finger. And ideally the other players are going to be the ones that demand that the players buy into what the coaches are selling. But it feels like with all the turnover for Steve Sarkeesian, he's still the one in the coaching staff who are, trying to convince the players to buy in. And that's, that's an uphill process. It takes time. It does. It definitely does take time. And, and he talked about, you know, definitely needing that, but he said that, you know, some of the, the best teams that he has ever been around had not just player buy-in, but fantastic player leadership and player leadership has to come from players buying into the coaches too. It, it's not just, you know, on the coaches and, and, you know, it, it's a tough thing, Chip. I think, um, yeah, I, as you mentioned, Chris Beard went went through it too. I mean, he came in really hyped, but still, I mean, when you change a culture and you try to change the culture inside a locker room, um, it's not an overnight process. It's not even a monthly process. I mean, it takes a very long time. And if you think about it, you look at some of the players that um, he had, you know, the staff was working with last year, they've gone through a ton of transition, a ton of coaching changes, excuse me, um, a ton of just um, adversity, you know, during their time. And I feel like 
they had so many guys that almost had that here we go again mentality when things were not going their way. And it's kind of interesting. It goes back again. I know we're talking about this Josh Thompson interview. It was this good though. This is why we're we're mentioning it so much. But he he talked about that. You know, he talked about how there were times where there, you know, um, when they started games, everything was good. And then it was like the communication fell off and the play started falling off when things weren't going their way. And I really feel like that was that whole here we go again mentality. The question is, is that still in the locker room? Because there's obviously still carryover players from um, last year's roster. I know that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's kind of cleaned house a little bit and uh, a lot of guys have left. But um, I don't think we'll know if all of that type of thought process is out until we see any adversity in the season. But that's going to be something that the players need to hold one another accountable for that, you know, and and um, it's going to be fascinating to see. And I think, you know, especially when you have young quarterbacks, I think that you that is going to definitely need more and more leadership from players around them. Um, and Steve Sarkeesian talked about Bijan Robinson being one of the guys that they you know, want to see more leadership from. Um, Bijan Robinson talked about that last season. And uh, yesterday when we did talk to Steve Sarkeesian, he said that they tried to do some different things in winter conditioning to really uplift some of these like player leadership and help them to, you know, more comfortably fill that role. And Bijan Robinson is one of that, but they're really going to need that. And it's going to, you know, I don't think we're going to have an answer of if that type of thought process is out of the locker room until we really see this team go through any adversity. Yeah, no question about it. And that's that's one of the things that gives me a little bit of a like a nagging, you know, that's a tough question to answer. You won't be able to answer it until you hit adversity in the season. But who are those players? Because Anthony Cook, as good as he is, he's kind of a quiet guy. Mm -hmm. He's got to get out of his comfort zone. You you need to have a Michael Griffin back there, a guy who's gonna get everything communicated and look at a guy when he makes a wrong play and say, what on earth were you thinking there? You know, and be able to get everybody's attention. And that's, that's something as the last line of defense at that safety position, you got to have, you got to be strong up the middle of your defense. We know that the defensive tackles, middle linebacker, and then your safety position. And a lot of questions that will hopefully start to get answered here. During the spring, we mentioned uh, Texas basketball and and Taylor, the the, you know, the Longhorns had battled these scoring droughts throughout the year. And then, my God, they go almost 10 minutes uh, without a point uh, in the NCAA tournament against Purdue and then claw their way back in to where it is a one possession game with a minute 30 left. And you're just sitting there going, are you kidding me? Yeah. Because during that 10 minute scoring or nearly 10 minute, nine minutes and 40 seconds without a point, Purdue was on a 20 0 run. And you're thinking, Oh my gosh, this is, this is going to be a, a nightmare. And, and it, and it was, but they clawed their way back. They're in a one possession game with a minute 30 left. And then Jaden Ivy, the, the star, I think he's electric. I should have taken Purdue to the final four. Um, but, Jaden Ivey uh, hits that dagger three and, and that was it. And, and so the Texas season comes to an end. Now they did win an NCAA tournament game, Taylor. And what did we say last week on the flagship podcast? If they win an NCAA tournament game, take it as a win. <laughs> success. Success. Look, success. Texas, 
Texas hadn't won an NCAA tournament game since 2014, people. Eight long years. Think about that. The guys that are like any freshman on this team would have been 10 years old, probably the last time that Texas won an NCAA tournament game. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris Beard, kudos, 5-0 and in round of 64 NCAA tournament games. That remains intact. I didn't have a good feeling about this team going into that Virginia Tech game, but you know what? Marcus Carr, Andrew Jones, solid. Now, Timmy Allen, God bless him. The kid wants to do right so badly, and he had probably the worst game of his season against Purdue. Two points, two rebounds in like 18 minutes because of foul trouble, and he fouled out with six-plus minutes to go. It was awful. Yeah, I was going to say, him fouling out. When when he fouled out with more than six minutes left in the game, I was like, this is not this is not good. Especially when you look at, you know, Purdue, that seven foot four guy. It's like, it was like David versus Goliath. Anybody who was trying to guard him. I mean, it was hard not to laugh, honestly. Like I, he basically was like a volleyball player, just setting the ball. Like when yeah. <laughs> one of the baskets he made, it's like, well, I can defend that. You literally, there's nothing you can do to defend that. And he's a terrible free throw shooter. And so is Travion Williams, but Texas had so many fouls that they'd already been called for. They couldn't go to a hack a a hack a Zach or a hack a Travion strategy because I guarantee you that went through Chris Beard's mind. With three minutes and 32 seconds left, you could have started fouling those guys, but Texas didn't have any players who weren't in foul trouble. Like yeah. they would have had to bring in someone off the bench uh, to foul those guys. And so it just – it was a nightmare. What Purdue shot 46 free throws, Texas shot 12. It, 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 but you can't complain about that when you go almost 10 minutes without scoring and miss 16 straight shots. I mean, you got to make some shots and you gotta, you gotta be aggressive. Okay. The Texas women roll on and they played probably their best game of the season in their destruction of Utah, which is a great three point shooting team. Vic Schaefer said after the game, don't call me for a home and home over the next two to three years because those players are all young and they are really talented. He said, I don't think people realize how good that team was and what we just did to them. And now here they go off to the Sweet 16. They're not going to be facing Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey and LSU get upset by Ohio State in Baton Rouge. So now Texas will take on Ohio State. They are a complete team. They press. They press just like Texas. And you know the old adage, you know how you get to a pressing team? You press them. Well, Texas, which hasn't faced that all year, is going to face that from Ohio State. And J.C. Sheldon, who is their leading scorer, who did big-time damage against LSU, she's super quick. This is going to be a fun, fun matchup to watch. Friday night, 6 o'clock, the Texas women are in Spokane. Uh, so they're on the other side of the moon. But um, Friday night at 6, Vic Schaefer will try to take his team into the Elite Eight. And he told his players after the Utah game, you keep playing like this, we're going to be playing for a while. So let's see if they can replicate that uh, um, that win over Utah. And Taylor, Texas baseball, I mean, 
They have a five-game winning streak going. They've beaten up on some tomato cans here lately. But you take the wins as you can get them. And how about Murphy Staley? Murphy Staley, three home runs in one game uh, to wrap up the series win over Incarnate Word. And Ivan Melendez, who leads the Big 12 in home runs, RBIs. Um, I mean, watching Texas bat used to be painful. Now it's utterly exhilarating. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the Staley's performance, I mean, that was unbelievable. I mean, he had, what was it, three home runs in the Sunday game, I believe it was. I mean, first time since 2002 that's happened. Yeah. And he is, um, he's phenomenal. I mean, they're taking on Texas Tech this weekend. And that is, we talked about this last week. That is not where you want to start the conference when you decided, oh, we're going to go on an 11 game road trip during spring break. They did play one game at home, but 10 of 11 away from home. Um, And they got beat up in that. They went six and five. Now they've won five in a row, beat up some uh, lower caliber teams, Incarnate Word, Central Arkansas. Now they get Texas Tech. They're probably their biggest competition for the Big 12 regular season title. They're going to Lubbock. And Jace Young is still at Texas Tech. I don't know how that guy's still there. It seems like he's been there eight years, but... You know, Jace Young, one of the best hitters in the Big 12. Um, and Brandon Birdsill, their, their ace, will go up against Pete Hansen. This is going to be a great series. Texas has had success out in Lubbock, and, and they certainly had success against Tech last year. But getting them right off the top in Big 12 play, this is, uh, this is an important series because normally these, these two teams play in May. Yeah, for sure. One thing, Chip, that I think was good in the, you know, coming out of the Incarnate Word series is I think maybe, maybe Texas found their Sunday starter in Lucas Gordon. You know, he pitched seven um, innings in that game. He was very consistent. He didn't have a ton of strikeouts or anything, but he didn't really need to. I mean, their their defense came up for him. Um, you know, he gave up four hits, no runs, no earned runs, obviously. He didn't walk anybody and he had four strikeouts. So, you know, that with Tanner Witt's season ending, uh, Tommy John surgery, Texas has been searching for that Sunday starter. And I think, I mean, I don't know, this is a guess at this point, because um, I don't believe that they've released the, the you know, probable pitching matchups for the weekend series against Texas Tech. But I think Lucas Gordon, it would be surprising to me if Lucas Gordon isn't that Sunday guy um, this weekend. Yeah. And that you're right. That was, that is the huge development because, Things started to unravel a little bit for Texas when Tanner Witt went down. I think it sent a jolt through the clubhouse that was like, "Uh uh-oh, maybe we're not invincible. And we saw some rough outings from pitchers who don't normally have rough outings, but Lucas Gordon maybe has calmed things down again. Um, and, And Travis Staley continues to do a nice job out of the bullpen. So... Uh, Pete Hansen, um, Tristan Stevens. Stevens is actually um, number two in the Big 12 right now with uh, with a 4-1 record and a 1.17 ERA. So kudos to Tristan Stevens. Um, Pete Hansen's 4-0, but he's got the 2.57 ERA because he did get roughed up against South Carolina in a win. They won. Uh, he gave up four runs, but they won the game 9-5. to So. Um, 
huge series for the Longhorns and uh, and Texas Tech this weekend. All right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around. We have more football talk coming up in love it or leave it. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Let's do some love it or leave it, Chip. You ready? I'm ready. All righty. My first one for you is love it or leave it. After finishing five and seven last season, including the longest losing streak since 1956, the biggest thing Steve Sarkeesian has to fix this spring is the mindset of the team. Uh, yeah, I'm going to love this because, look, the culture, the mindset of the program is what the coach has to instill and then let the players take over. Uh, we just talked about the importance of that player-driven leadership. And, and so Steve Sarkeesian, he's turning over a third of his roster. He almost has to instill his culture again. Um, you know, when you listen to the interview we had with Josh Thompson, you're almost as a Texas Longhorns fan, you're almost bummed out that he's leaving because he's such an advocate for Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff and their culture. And, and he's still trying to instill it by calling guys like Deshaun Jameson and Tavondre Sweat and telling them, Hey man, Alfred Collins, it's time. You got to go. You got to trust it. Um, but it's a challenge. It's a big time challenge. And now you've got a new quarterback or at least a new quarterback competition. Um, and then the back end of your defense is, is unproven. So I'm going to love this Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I I'm definitely going to love it. I think that, you know, there's, there's no denying the fact that Texas has, you know, some question marks um, on at different positions or whatnot that they need to, you know, try to search for answers this spring. But the reality is they have they have a talented roster. They have talented players. They have a lot of talent coming in, um, you know, this summer. But the mindset is so crucial. I mean, it's it's just obviously, you know, hearing Josh Thompson talk about it and talk about how, you know, when things were going, you know, south and then it just like everything fell off. Communication, every single thing fell off. And that that's I mean clearly as you watch what happened with Texas football last season it's impossible to overcome and so you know this is something that I think that it's probably going to be a little bit better um, this year because they do have you know new guys coming in they have the guys that did stick it out stick around and uh, they obviously know what the coaches are uh, demanding of them and what they require of them. Um, they've got to fully buy in and, and help, you know, instill that culture with some of the younger guys. But the good thing I think that Texas does have working for them is with so much change in the roster, sure, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of young players around, but it's a, it's a fresh start. It's a, you know, it's a clean slate from a culture standpoint and from a mindset standpoint, they're not the ones that were around with the, you know, constant coaching changes and everything that has happened for Texas over the last uh, few years. So, um, I think it's probably in a better place right now than it was at this time last year for Steve Sarkeesian, but there's no denying that, you know, I, I have to love this. That that's one of the biggest things that Steve Sarkeesian and the staff definitely have to fix this spring. All right. Love it or leave it number two. And the second one is, sorry, my like bad allergies right now. Uh, love it or leave it. It's too early to get excited about anything we saw during Tuesday's first spring football practice. 
you know what? I'm going to leave this and I'm going to say Isaiah Nayer, baby. Isaiah Nayer. Oh, baby. I can't wait to see this guy on the field. I think he's going to be uh, the quarterback's best friend. He's he's long. He's lean. He's got wingspan. He, um, I just, number 18, kids. Number 18 at receiver. He took over Jared Wiley's number. And uh, he he looks nothing like Jared Wiley. He is he is six three, two two ten, and can fly and catches everything. So Isaiah Nayor Taylor, how about you? I I'm gonna love this actually. I I think it's too early to get too excited about anything. Um, I mean, this is the time of year I think that fans are looking for any glimmer of hope or any little like nugget that they can kind of grasp upon. I saw that there's some Texas fans yesterday. There's a video clip of Quinn Ewers going through reps um, that I think it was Jeff Barker from KI put out. And uh, you know, I think it was AJ Milwe, like number 16 on the team went to take a rep and AJ Milwe kind of like pushed Quinn Ewers forward. And people were like, Oh, he's demanding this. And it's like, no, I actually heard this go down. Like he, it was Quinn had one more rep and didn't realize it and stepped back. And then he said, no, you got to take another rep here. But you know, right now it's, it's that over, over analyze, over um, exaggerate. I think everything right now. And I'm, I'm going into this very level headed with this spring. Um, especially honestly, like Talk, I think, you know, we were talking yesterday before Steve Sarkeesian's media availability with a couple other media members about the defensive line. And remember, last spring, we were all talking about how this defensive line can be a strength. However, I don't know if people realize this, but the defensive lineman that led the team in sacks last year was Ben Davis, who did not even start. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's so, you know, a lot of things were overhyped. And so I think because of that, I'm going to have a very level, even keeled approach with spring football. So I'm going to say it's too early to get excited and love this. So I'm going to disagree with you there. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, love it or leave it number three. All right. My last one for you is love it or leave it. Texas basketball falling short of the sweet 16 means the program didn't meet expectations in year one under Chris Beard. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this because uh, Chris Beard knows what he's doing. Chris Beard has won everywhere he's been. He's brought in transfers everywhere he's been. Uh, University of Arkansas Little Rock, prime example. That was a 500 team that he brought in the right transfers, and they uh, ended up winning their league, going to the NCAA tournament, beating Purdue as a 12 seed. And, and then he goes to Texas tech and, you know, three years in, he's in the national championship game. And we see that Texas tech team. Now they look like a team that could go to the final four. And that was all Chris Beard. I mean, Chris Beard built that culture of toughness and accountability. And that's what I love the most. Even the rant he had after the loss to TCU in the big 12 tournament, where he said, I think we have a bunch of guys who think they know the answer who don't. And that's Chris Beard saying, listen, get on board because I know what I'm doing. Our coaching staff knows they've been to the final four. They know what's going on. You have to trust us. And I liked Chris Beard taking that stand because I felt like his team gave him everything they had in the NCAA tournament. They, they fought. They, that was the Texas team that I'm sure Chris Beard had been waiting to see. They played 
with their heart against Virginia Tech, even in the uh, embarrassing, you know, 20-0 run against them to come back from that, claw their way back into a one-possession game against Purdue, uh, it's it's happening. The culture is happening. Andrew Jones said it best after the game. These coaches know what they're doing. Everybody's got to get on board and trust it. And he's got five-star point guard, Arterio Morris, coming in next year. Um, he's got a five-star small forward coming in next year. Beard will not bring in as many transfers next year. His culture will start to feed off of itself. They'll go to the Moody Center. It'll be amazing. Texas fans need to throw all their support behind Chris Beard because this guy knows what's going on. And um, I'm going to leave it. I, I think he did uh, get his culture in and they won an NCAA tournament game. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to leave this too. Now, I mean, they may not have um, met Chris Beard's expectations for year one, um, but I think overall, I think that you have to take this year as a chalk it up as a win. I mean, obviously, you know, Texas came in very hyped um, in preseason leading up to the season. People talked about them being a final four team. Um, you know, we talked about that last summer and I, I think both of us were like, whoa, tap the brakes there a little bit. Let's let's uh, watch the transition in year one with a new coaching staff and all these new players. But yeah, I think that honestly, as you mentioned, I mean, they did fight and that's something that you have to take as the team is at least fighting for not just themselves, but for the coaches too. And um, I think that's huge. And I think that's crucial to, you know, for the program moving forward, um, winning an NCAA tournament game. I know it probably sounds silly to some Texas fans. They're probably, you know, ready to curse us out for, you know, thinking that a quote unquote, you know, mediocre finish in the NCAA tournament is okay. But, you know, with looking at where this program has been, you have to take the wins where you get them. And Texas hasn't gotten many wins in the NCAA tournament, but they did now. And so I really, I think you're right. I think Chris Beard, you know, um, when we had Travis Branham from 24-7 Sports on, the National College Basketball Analyst, he couldn't speak higher of Chris Beard. You know, he he fully believes that this program's in really good hands. And I, and I agree with him. And I agree with you. I think Chris Beard knows what he's doing. He knows how to win. He's won every, he's a winner. You know, he, he's not somebody that is accepting of losing. So in his mind, he probably didn't meet expectations or this team didn't. But as a whole, you know, from an outsider standpoint, I think that you have to just take this as a positive step moving forward in the future. And as you mentioned, you know, they're bringing in more talent. They're not going to have to rely on tons of transfers and, you know, guys from all over the place coming in and trying to learn, you know, how to work with each other and learn how to, you know, be coached by this staff. So, yeah, I think that you have to leave this and I think, that this program did actually meet expectations in year one. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Big weekend ahead, folks. Um, Texas, Texas Tech baseball, number one men's swimming and diving, going for the national championship, more spring football. And of course, the Texas women, Friday night, six o'clock, taking on Ohio State. In and the Texas sweep. Relays this weekend, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Texas Relays. It's going to be bonkers. The Dell match plays going on here in Austin. So, uh, you, you know, whatever you want, it's on, it's on the deck for you. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the flagship podcast. Make sure you check out that inter interview with Josh Thompson, uh, for Taylor Estes. I'm Chip Brown. We'll see you over at horns 247com And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.